Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll feature Adam Ingst of Tidbits. We'll be taking a look at Apple's financials and the surprising success of the iPad. A little bit later, we'll have Glenn Kessler, and we're going to talk about the Tesla car in a special Encore appearance. All this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. Ah! We welcome back Adam Inks of Tidbits with lots of stuff to talk about. And it was interesting here when I first greeted Adam, I had to stop for a second because of the time zone. It's morning where I am. It's afternoon where he is, where some of our guests might be. It could be the early evening. And I'm thinking here, what should we say? And Adam said, good time zone. It's either that or you have to think it's like holidays. You have to decide whether it's your your holiday that you're wishing someone or their holiday. You know, like if someone, uh, you know, doesn't celebrate Christmas, wishing them Merry Christmas might be kind of weird. On the other hand, if you do, well, that's what, you know, it, it gets very tricky very quickly. And, of course, the problem happens here when you say happy holidays and someone resents that because you didn't say Merry Christmas. And then you have the <laughs> argument over, well, yeah, but that's not my holiday. So, <laughs> right. Like, and I suppose it's something you're wishing someone. So you're hoping they have it. So in theory, I guess that you should be wishing them, you know, is the, I wish you a Merry Christmas, or I wish you a Happy Holiday, or I wish you a Happy Hanukkah. So it, it would be weird to wish them something that they don't do. I, ah, got it. I wish you something that you do. Right. I think it would be weird to say that would apply to the time zones too, because it's literally, I wish you a good morning. Now, when Apple introduced the iPod in 2001, a thousand songs <laughs> in your pocket. Did you think that at least two-thirds of that product line would unceremoniously disappear from Apple's site a mere 16 years later? <laughs> I wish you a happy iPad Nano. <laughs> nano Nano. Yeah, it is important to realize that all technologies have a lifespan. It's like trees, right? You know, redwoods live a long time, but they don't live forever. And a lot of trees don't live anywhere near as long as redwoods. So just because something happens at some point and seems to have a good run and may nominally seem to still have a market doesn't mean it's going to survive forever. Exactly. It's, well, how about buying a new TV set with a CRT? <laughs> oh, right. I remember those, the thick TVs. Yes, a yeah. thick TV. How about, well, that one they still make. An amplifier using tubes. They still make those things. They're yeah, could but they be do expensive. Yeah, they, and they do it ironically. So, you know, it's like people who buy turntables these days. They're doing it to make a statement. Well, right now, vinyl is selling at record levels. Not record. That's a really bad pun. <laughs> Compared to what it's been for the past, you know, 25 years. The sales are higher than they've been in quite a while. So is it because people all want to make a statement or do they believe that the ritual of handling an old-fashioned record and taking it out of its sleeve and wiping it down to make sure it's reasonably clean and placing it on the turntable and placing the arm at the beginning of the recording, is that the kind of ritual you think makes sense? Oh, it doesn't make any sense at all. I grew up doing that. I hated it. 
hated it with a passion. Um, I was su- super happy to, to to drop records. People wanting to be retro, they're they're looking for some feeling of the past, but it's not because it it's not because it makes sense in any way. And I mean, while record sales are probably at a 25 year high, I think that's mostly because you know it has sort of caught this retro uh, retro hipness, not because it's going to be coming back in any significant way. So you see this all over the place, right? I mean, they've started to remake running sneakers from the 80s, not because they are necessarily better or anything else, but because people want nostalgia. So same thing. Retro hipness. I kind of like that. Okay. Now with the iPod, let's put in perspective here. The iPad shuffle was $49. I kind of think at that price, maybe runners might want something cheap. But I guess the sales were so low, Apple said this is not worth it. Yeah, I mean, really, there are those exact populations, runners, athletes, anyone who's, you know, kind of out and about in a a situation where you just don't want to carry a phone. $49 $49 if for something that's pretty cheap. And actually, swimmers were really pretty happy with it, too, because you could get cases that would make it entirely waterproof. And you can get waterproof headphones and things like that. So it was actually one of the popular uh, devices for, for swimmers who wanted to listen to music while they were while they were working out. Um, but yeah, as I said, the sales just weren't there, I don't think, for Apple. Could they have been there for a company that was focused on it and nothing else? Maybe. You know, Apple certainly didn't say, well, we've only sold two million of these this year and that's no good. They didn't tell us anything about how what the sales were actually uh, in terms of numbers. And they made no statement about what happened. I don't think it was asked during the quarterly conference call with financial analysts. It was such a low key move that very few people cared outside possibly of the tech media. I think it's more just kind of the end of an era, right? It, you're more you're more noting it because the iPod was such a big deal when it launched, and it remained a big deal for a long time. And to see the last ones of that generation go, it's, it's interesting. It I don't think it says that much about you know it doesn't say that oh this technology was terrible or anything else. What it kind of says is that everyone's got a phone now. The few people who are still doing this because they really don't want to be carrying a phone, well. Apple Watch does that, and AirPods. And, you know, of course, the only problem then is you're talking $500 plus compared to $49. But uh, the functionality exists in current devices. Okay. So we're not going to have the burial for the iPod. There is one left, the iPod Touch, which is basically a somewhat older iPhone without the phone. Yes. And that's it. There's nothing else to say about the iPod. Speaking of death of things, in 2020, Flash will die. Ten years after Steve Jobs wrote that very famous blog where he gave his (laughs) thoughts about Flash. Yes. And at the time, Adobe said, you know, he's wrong. They should have Flash on iOS. And they had been experimenting with a beta version of Flash on Android. But it was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, that was actually, I mean, it was funny because when I started editing our article about that, the, um, the, it was, um, it was a situation where, um, 
the actual letter was only seven years ago, and I started to like, oh, why are we saying it was 10 years ago? And then I realized, oh, because it's not actually – they're not actually going to kill Flash for another three years. Exactly. It was 2010. It's got, it's got a long runway. And so we keep thinking 10 years, but then that's not what it was. And I remember at the time, and I knew some people at Adobe at the time, and I put up this thing on technightowl.com challenging Adobe to produce a beta version of Flash, submit it to Apple and say, okay, here's something that works. You make it available to your users. And I never heard anything about it. Not necessarily that they ignored me, which they probably did. It is because they realized they couldn't do it. And that was really the big problem. We'll get more into Flash and what it meant at the time and the fact is that there's still plenty of Flash out there, and we're not talking about sparks and stuff. <laughs> In our next segment, we have Adam Inks of Tidbits. Also, we have the Tech Night Owl Plus at plus.technightowl.com, where you can get the commercial-free version of this show for a very low subscription rate. And we want you to check it out, plus.technightowl.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Heart disease is on the rise. Clogged arteries, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol levels may not be fully detected by you, but the symptoms are there. Loss of energy, blood sugar spikes and drops, poor circulation, and irregular heartbeat are just a few of these that can alert you that something is wrong. Hear how heart and body extract is making a difference in thousands of people's lives across America. My blood pressure has normalized. My diabetes has totally improved. Everyone is telling me now how much healthier I look, and I'm telling everyone how much healthier I feel. I recommend heart and body extract to everyone. Anybody over 40 in the North American continent should be using this product as a preventative to keep their cardiovascular system healthy. Order your two-month supply today by calling 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. Or order online, hbextract.com. Heart and body extract, 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. 
Imagine what it's like to be active your whole life and then find out you're going blind. I have age-related macular degeneration, or AMD. As a wife, mother, and grandmother, my sight is precious to me, so I was relieved to find that treatments for some forms of AMD are available, and research for additional treatments is underway. Call the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-BLINDNESS for a free packet on reversing or managing AMD, or go to the website fightblindness.org, where I found so much helpful information. Call 1-800-BLINDNESS today. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie Guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Okay, so... Two of the three iPods are gone. Flash is disappearing in three years. Now, I was looking the other day at the tools that YouTube provides to edit content on there, and they're still Flash-based. Were you looking at them in Safari or Chrome? In Safari. Okay, because one of the things you'll see a lot of places where they will still use Flash if it's available but there will be other alternatives if if your if flash isn't available. So um, when you're in Chrome um, or Opera, which still which uh, uh, embed Flash separately, they can sometimes be fooled. But yeah, YouTube is one of the big ones. I guess Facebook is actually by far the most heavily used or heavily Flash based site still. And I don't quite know sort of how. Maybe it's just people posting stuff in Flash. I don't actually particularly read Facebook, so don't run into it personally. But that was why when Adobe announced this, they said, you know, in conjunction with Google and Apple and Microsoft and Facebook and and I think possibly Amazon. And basically what it came down to was the web browser manufacturers, so Google, Apple, Microsoft, and Facebook because they were by far the largest Flash, heavily used Flash site out there. 
Well, I can't wait and for so these tools those- to disappear. They're not very good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Adobe in some sense wasn't wrong in what they were saying, you know, in their statement, which is that, you know, people used Flash for a good reason back, at, you know, when it came out because it really did do things that were not possible otherwise. And now there's better ways of doing things. And they're open, they're they're more accessible, they work better in a lot of different ways, but it just takes time to move everything over. And that's why we're talking the three-year time frame before they're really going to stop supporting it. Now, I do have one site that has a very, very tiny amount of Flash content, and that's Rockoids for our science fiction site. And eventually I'll get that fixed. I just need to work with a web developer. We had started working with a web developer to make the site work responsive, which means on mobile platforms, iPhones, Android, etc. And he kind of went AWOL. So that's it for me. None of our other sites have anything close to Flash. Yeah. And I guess we're kind of glad to see it gone. I'll be happy to see it disappear from YouTube, assuming they still provide some kind of tools there to allow oh, you sure to do will. some little touch-ups on the video. A lot of that stuff, it's just a matter of rewriting it. And if you're YouTube, right, it's not a matter of, oh, we can just do this. It's we can do this and it can scale across millions and millions of users. So for them, everything is a little more complicated because their systems have to support so many people and provide such kind of such responsiveness. I mean, a lot of Flash is used for these these funny little applications like YouTube's video editor or there are a lot of sites that haven't been updated in five or 10 years that, you know, they're a restaurant site, right? They don't need to do anything but update the menu. And, you know, someone 10 years ago decided it was a good idea to do this in Flash for them, and they went along with it. So those are the kind of sites that are going to take, take a lot of time. You know, and then there's going to just be some Flash content, video that someone put up in Flash, and they haven't gotten around to redoing and HTML5 and new modern codecs and things like that. And it just takes time to get to it. But, you know, we'll have three years. And already Google has published some uh, statistics on Flash usage, and it's already dropping precipitously. In 2014, 80% of people saw at least one Flash page a day. Nowadays, it's more like 17% or something, or 14% see one Flash page a day. So that's a massive, massive drop in just a couple of years. And it'll just keep going down until the point where there'll still be a couple of things left in 2020 that are Flash-based, and they'll work until they stop working. It's as simple as that. Was there anything Adobe could have done to deal with the problems with Flash? You know, I don't think so, because Flash was always a, pl- a browser plug-in. We're just moving away from browser plugins as a, as a basic technology, that everything is being done in HTML and core technologies that the browsers support just as a matter of being a browser. So, obviously, they could have redone their code and rewritten everything and try- made it open standards and whatnot, but it just it wasn't worth the effort. You know, that the world had moved on from what Flash could do at that time. It's possible Adobe missed an opportunity, say, five, ten years ago, to turn Flash into a standard, which they could then have not necessarily benefited from by people licensing licensing the technology or anything, but by making the best tools for it. And that's sort of what they've done with PDF, right? PDF is an open standard. It's Adobe technology originally. 
but they contributed it to the open standards tracks. And now anyone can do PDFs, but Adobe still makes some of the most powerful tools that way. And so that's how they benefit from, from their knowledge of PDF, you know, ahead of, ahead of the curve, as it were. Well, of course, we don't need anything, therefore, exclusive from Adobe to view PDF. How many people still use the Adobe Reader? A uh, very large number. I mean, it's, it's not everybody, but it's still large, large numbers. And going to keep in mind, it's you know cross-platform, so it's going to be much more so on Windows, where you don't necessarily have something like Preview that everyone's going to have, particularly across various Windows versions. So Adobe Reader is still very heavily used there. And you know, Adobe Acrobat Pro is the pow- most powerful PDF creation and manipulation app. You, you can use Smiles, PDF Pen, and PDF Pen Pro, and they'll do most of what most people would ever want to do. But for the ultimate in power, you're really going to uh, to Acrobat Pro. And it costs a lot more for that power. Right. For very simple things, you can just use Preview. Very simple things like dropping a signature in there or something sure. like that. Or rearranging a page, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. And so, yeah, Preview is previews free and can do some very simple things. And then as I Smiles, PDF Pen, and then PDF Pen Pro, one's a little bit cheaper than the other, and they have, you know, you know PDF Pen Pro has a few more features, can do... A vast amount of things and most of what, you know, most people who even work with PDFs need. And at the very high end, you've got Acrobat Pro. And actually, I shouldn't say that because beyond Acrobat Pro, you'll have custom software that can do things that even Acrobat Pro can't do and is often designed for very large industries that have, you know, millions of pages that need to be generated and manipulated and searched and all of that kind of stuff. So you will have custom solutions that, again, are still making taking advantage of PDF as an open standard. Right. Beyond Acrobat Pro. <laughs> Sounds like a movie title. We move beyond <laughs> Acrobat Pro where we do things where we can take PDFs and send them to Zeta Reticuli. I think Jackie Chan should be in it. I think it should be a martial arts movie. You really think so? Chris Tucker? No, he can't have Chris Tucker. (laughs) Does Chris Tucker even do anything anymore? He did those movies with Jackie Chan. He did The Fifth Element, of course. And then he kind of sort of disappeared and hasn't done much. Anyway, Uh, we have Adam Ernst. He's not going to disappear. He's been here for a while. And he's not going to go the way of the iPod shuffle or flash anytime soon. (laughs) Nor am I. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. If you had purchased $100 of Bitcoin in 2010, today you'd have $2,600,000. While that sinks in, you now have a huge cryptocurrency opportunity at below market price at a guaranteed $0.10 per coin. ProCoin, a coin publicly traded on the open market, easily converted to cash, available in 60 countries, and ProCoin is the only cryptocurrency offering coin-back rewards for consumers and merchants. Take action by August 31st at ProCoinCurrency.net. That's ProCoinCurrency.net. Deadline for $0.10 guarantee is August 31st. 
At Humalife, we believe your health is your wealth. That's why we offer an exclusive potent and pure selection of Omri certified 100% organic humic and fulvic acid concentrates. These two acids stop viruses and harmful bacteria and increase frequency, vibration, and vitality. In fact, they're called the missing link to your health. Pure liquid organic ATP energy rebuilds and regrows the immune system. You are the doctor at Humalife. You know best because you are the test. Find out more at HumalifeUSA.com. That's HumalifeUSA.com. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Calben Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, and like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next.
So when Apple's going to report its financials and the days before that, industry analysts come up with their estimates. They talk about max sales. They estimated what would happen to the iPad. And what they thought would happen to the iPad didn't happen. Sales went up, what, 15%? Yeah, it was. I mean, the iPad actually did pretty well. It was an interesting, uh, interesting results on that. I, I honestly pay absolutely no attention to analysts. It's just, it's just not worth the effort. iPad sales went up fifteen percent in terms of units sold. However, the revenue increase, the amount of Apple, Apple, amount of money Apple actually made, um, only went up two percent which sort of implies that the sales for the iPads were coming more from the really inexpensive, the, the 300 and what is it, 369 $329 uh, fifth generation iPad, as opposed to the iPad Pros, which uh, cost a lot more. Um, and therefore, Apple's probably making more money on them. That was interesting, but it was nice to see the, the sales rebounding a little bit anyway. Now, this is interesting here, too. Although the average sale price of iPads went down over a year, from the previous quarter, they were hardly changed. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't quite know how to how to come up with that. I mean, part of the problem with the with the per unit revenues is that you never know how much Apple's costs have changed. So you know that if they're selling a machine for more or less money, they're going to make more or less based on that. But you don't know, um, you know, the, the longer a machine has been in the, in the mix, for instance, the more likely it is they're getting a bigger break on the components. The components are costing them less, so they'll be making more. So that's the, the big unknown in that equation. So what Apple did here was kind of compromise getting a cheap iPad out there. It uses the iPad Air case instead of the Air 2, but the difference is not that significant. And it lacks a couple of other things, but uses a pretty recent processor. And therefore, for most people who would be upgrading to it, it's really an affordable alternative. So Apple made a smart configuration there. Not a technologically advanced one, but one that was smart in terms of giving something that was affordable. Yeah, and I think what Apple's playing with, what they're trying to figure out is, what does the market for the iPad look like? That we seem to have people who want an iPad but are very price sensitive. Yeah, the iPad mini had initially been the, you know, sort of the iPad, the entry-level iPad for those people. But the iPad mini had its own issues in terms of size. So you know, this new one, which is the full 9.7-inch size, has, you know, gets comes in at the new cheapest price which which solves the the price sensitive people and then for the iPad Pro that's where they're doing more of the interesting technology the higher performance the bigger screen the Apple pencil all that kind of stuff uh, you know it's hard to know because Apple doesn't break this sort of stuff out if one of those is more important than the other or if they are both equally as important in different ways We have a lot of people out there with older iPads, what, four years old, whatever. And this Mm -hmm. was the way for them to move into something, to really push them. Well, look how cheap it is. It's so much better than the one I have. I'll just move to it. So that was kind of a very, very compelling upgrade choice. Yeah, I think that, that for a lot of people, you know, they bought an iPad early on. So if you have an iPad, an original iPad, an iPad 2, a third generation iPad, I can remember there was a fourth generation one or was that when we went to the iPad Air? I think there was a fourth, then we went to the iPad Air and the iPad Air 2. They're calling this fifth yeah. generation, even though it's technically sixth, right? 
Well, I guess technically it would be seventh. The generation yeah, means nothing, it, except they made it iPad again. Right. So they had to give it, a, yeah. Yeah, because the iPad Air would be fifth. The iPad Air 2 would be sixth. This new one would be technically the seventh. It's technically the seventh release of the 9.7-inch model, put it that way. But that said, I would suggest that the iPad Air may be the fourth generation. I don't have enough fourth generations. I've never used one, so I don't have a feel for so how that's, that's aging. We do have an iPad 3 and an iPad and 1 and 2, and the 1, 2, and 3, really not so useful anymore. You can't necessarily upgrade to the latest operating system. Apps are not necessarily you know, upgraded for them, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you've got a one, two, or three, you may be getting to that point where you're thinking you really need a new one. But I do think that because what you use the iPad for, whoever you are, has become clear at this point, right? You know what you do on the iPad. And if what you do is browse the web and check the weather and you know maybe read your email – then you're not going to want to spend a lot. You might have spent that $500 the first time. But if you're sitting there later on going, really, do I need to spend another $500 to check the web and browse my email? You might be much more interested in upgrading if the price is $329. And so I think that's a little bit where Apple went with that. Well, at this point, I still don't see an iPad that I could really use on an extended basis at all. I think that, that it will be interesting to see with iOS 11 and an iPad Pro outfitted with a smart keyboard and an Apple Pencil. Now, admittedly, once you're doing that, you're talking almost as much money as a laptop, one of the other low-end MacBooks. But that said, I, that's, once we've got iOS 11, there's enough iPad-specific changes there that it's possible that you'll be able to you know, kind of be relatively fully functional on, on such a device. But Anything short of that? No, I don't think so. And even then, I'm not enamored with the smart keyboard. It yeah. feels mushy to me. And with a 12.9-inch iPad Pro, when I had it here for review, I tried to type on it and kept missing the space bar. It was really <laughs> awkward. The 9.7-inch version, I haven't had the 10.5-inch version. The 9.7-inch version seemed better. But it's a really, really... Mushy keyboard. I don't like it. How come they can't figure out how to make a decent iPad keyboard? I've tried a couple of third-party things from Logitech and some other companies, and they never feel right. They feel like it's all been thrown together and compromised to work with this smaller display, but that's it. It's a bad notebook. Yeah, I think that, that it is difficult to get a good keyboard feel in something that is that thin, that... Key travel is something that people really like. You really expect some key travel when you hit something. And the thinner it is, the less key travel you can have. And without the key travel, you don't, it's just harder to be reacting. You know, the tactile feedback is so different. So, you know, I don't happen to know anybody who, you know, prefers to type on uh, on that. I'm sure there are people who, who are totally cool with it. But if you've, particularly if you've grown up on, uh, you know, fully responsive tactile desktop keyboards, you're probably going to have a hard time switching down to the really thin flat keyboard. Now, something like the Magic Keyboard is pretty decent. There are and I don't know what it, what they look like now. Over the years, there have been i 
uh, iPad cases that basically uh, wrap themselves around an iPad on one side and a Magic Keyboard on the other. So that's been one of the solutions that people have have availed themselves over the years when they want want a keyboard for the for the iPad. It's I mean, what I wonder a little bit personally is if the iPad simply isn't a really very good text based machine. You know that there's lots of things you can do on an iPad that don't involve typing, where it might in fact just be better than you know a mouse based interface because you have that direct manipulation. But that's going to be in, I don't know, video editing or, um, you know, some kind of graphics work where you're, where you're really trying to work with objects on the screen. Whenever you get to a keyboard, it just feels like it's, it's not the way the iPad was designed. You know, it was designed for this direct manipulation, but there's no real way to do that. A keyboard of any sort, even the virtual keyboard, is by definition indirect. We'll have more to come on the Tech Night How Live with Gene Steinberg and Adam Inkst. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. If there's a toxic chemical biological gas smoke emergency while traveling at home or on your job, are you protected? Are you prepared? There are over 400,000 fires in the USA every year. Up to 85% of all deaths in a fire are due to smoke inhalation. Three minutes without air and we as humans will die. Be prepared and escape safely with our Safe Escape Smoke Hoods, giving you up to 60 minutes of breathable air protection. Order yours online at ase-safety.com. That's ase-safety.com. And get up to 40% off plus free shipping. Welcome aboard. Your new science fiction adventure is ready to launch. 
Discover an amazing journey at galaxyquestbooks.com. Start a new sci-fi adventure with the Guardian series, a classic sci-fi mystery that starts 500 years in the future. From author D. Arthur Gussner. Series available from Barnes & Noble or Amazon as paperback or ebooks. Galaxyquestbooks.com, where the adventure begins. Warning. If you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. This is Dan Pillard. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl Live, Animing Some Tidbits joins us. That's tidbits.com. And we're technightowl.com, and that's all the not-coms that we're talking about right now. And we were ragging on iPad keyboards. Now, one thing I think you could do effectively on iPad would be audio editing, but then we can't record a show like this on it because we don't have the tools. We don't have a way to capture audio from a couple of sources and mix them into a third source, like an audio hijack where I capture the audio from Skype I capture the audio from a mic mixer connected via USB, and I have this file that I could use and edit. There's no way to do that. I think because sandboxing doesn't allow that kind of interrupt communication. That's probably the case. I have not looked into uh, that sufficiently. My understanding is some people are doing a fair amount of podcast work on iOS devices, but it's not clear to me they can do this combination of live and incoming call. So maybe you can do live multiple people relatively well, but not multiple sources simultaneously. Well, when they could make that work, I would give it a try. And, you know, that's the sort of thing where the iPads actually have pretty impressive performance. And 
you know, the kind of work you do in an audio editor where you're looking at waveforms and selecting little bits and deleting them or fading them or whatever, that could very easily be done, you know, via a graphical interface where you're touching it directly with your finger or with a pencil or whatever and might, in fact, be better than working with a mouse. I mean, I do some of that stuff in Fission on the Mac right now from Rogue Amoeba's Fission. And, you know, it's not hard, but uh, I could imagine it being better if I wasn't, you know, kind of trying to fiddle with the mouse and always selecting little bits and figuring out where they started and ended. And you could even imagine an app that would do enough more of that so you're not just kind of guessing at where different bits are. You know, it could actually do, say, text transcription. So you could just scan through to look where, where something is said and, you know, and select the, the waveforms that go with the stumbled word and delete them. So, I mean, there's lots of things to imagine people doing, but uh, I haven't seen anyone go that far yet. Certainly, if you take this thing on the road for a remote session and you break out an iPad, say a 10 and a half inch iPad Pro, and there... You know, I think you can accomplish things, and maybe the keyboard's not that great, but if you had to type a few short things, it certainly would yeah. be worth using it. That would be great. You have a one-pound recording studio with, you know, what, uh, how many ounces is the smart keyboard cover? Yeah, it's just a little bit. It's not, it's not much. Half a oh, pound or something. Okay, so a pound and a half recording studio. And then, of course, you bring your portable USB mic for remote. Or your mic mixer if you want something more sophisticated. Of course, my mic mixer is kind of big for the road, but I can get something, you know, maybe just for two inputs or something that I can carry in a case. So I could see that if we had the tools, if we had the apps. Now, I'm hoping here that as a result of iOS 11 and the more sophisticated multitasking, the files app and all this stuff, that will encourage developers to do things and be innovative about it. And maybe Apple will look and say, you know what, we should add these features or these capabilities and allow them to do thus and so that you and I can't even think about right now. And that might really make the iPad do wonders. Certainly the one thing I noticed about Apple in mentioning the improved sales, of course, they mentioned some growth in the educational arena. And I understand there are terms and conditions about that, but also various conquests for businesses like Bank of America using, I think, iPad Pro. Walmart bought 15,000 of them for training. So there's a lot of things going on there with iPads that are promising. Yeah, I think the big issue that Apple has not really solved with the iPad is that they seem to last longer than expected. That they really aren't replaced on a cycle like the iPhone. The iPhone really is much closer to a year to two years, whereas the iPads are closer to the max three to five years. And it's not that that's a problem inherently, but it means it's a slower growth market. And people initially didn't expect that of the iPad. Well, the thing is here now is that people who bought iPads in that first couple of years certainly are going to be upgrading now. So you have that curve that grew pretty quickly for 2010, 11, 12, and 13. So that will capture a decent upgrade cycle now that we might be well into it. So that could certainly help. Yes, absolutely. And and it's possible that this is 
you know, it was sort of inevitable to have a slowdown at this point, but that going forward, there will be enough of a, an ongoing upgrade demand that Apple will sort of always have some level of base sales that's, that's reliable uh, going forward. So for at least a few years, there'll be that upgrade cycle, and then I'll cycle back to the lower sales in 2014. But then again, you know, the iPad may be doing things we did not expect it to do right now. Well, I don't think it will cycle back, actually, because just as the 1, 2, and 3 are not really useful right now, and are, are the are the ones that are really being upgraded, I think the fourth generation and the iPad Air will be dropped off the back of the train as well, you know, fairly shortly. And so I believe that in theory, there should be this just sort of constant, you know, that Apple, if they've figured it out right, in fact, there should be this sort of constant uh, balance of older iPads that really need to be upgraded and a new one that's available that will solve those people's problems. So if they can do that, then hopefully it won't cycle back because it'll just be that each person is on like a three to five year cycle. But enough people have, once you get past that initial three, three to five year cycle, there's not always enough more people coming to, uh, to smooth out the, smooth that cycle out. Okay. Educational use. I think I heard the figure of one million went to education, but a lot of school systems are buying Chromebooks these days, aren't they? Absolutely. The the problem is just price. And certainly the cheaper iPad helps with that. And I'm sure Apple's giving them a good deal. And actually it probably should help quite a lot because I mean to go from a four ninety nine iPad to a three twenty nine iPad is a is a big deal. But Chromebooks can be two hundred bucks or less. And no, they're not very good machines, but they're also machines that are beat upon by children. And so it's not clear that, you know, a higher quality in some ways is more useful because the higher quality isn't going to make a difference if it's, you know, just utterly destroyed or abused. It, it may simply be a price thing for many, many, uh, many places. And then the other real issue, we saw this locally, is that... If you're, you know, really, I think in, in this this area, I think it's fifth grade and up gets Chromebooks and, you know, K through four, maybe it's K through three, I forget exactly which, get iPads. And the problem is, is that once you're a certain far, far enough along in school, a great deal of what you do is right. And having a keyboard that's always there, it's not, you know, it's not a diff- separate piece or anything like that, is just better. There's just no question about it. Also, the Chromebooks obviously work really well with Google Docs and the Google Google Apps, which are extremely useful online collaborative apps, which makes it a lot easier to turn your homework in online, to work with others in a group, that kind of thing. All stuff that's happening in schools right now. And the iPad just doesn't work that way. It's fussy. You've got to image it. You've got to deploy. You know, you've got to, your admins have to be able to set it up with the right apps. The apps don't necessarily have ways of, you know, turning assignments in easily or collaborating with people. The you know, iPad apps, for the most part, are not very good at that. Although, you know, Pages and Keynote and Numbers have finally added some of those collaboration features. So it's, you know, I think that Apple is still frankly, biting a bit, fighting a bit of an uphill battle on being the best machine for education, not even 
getting into the question of whether what's the most you know economical machine for education. The thing here too is that Apple probably needs to find a way to fill that gap. The point at which the need for the iPad kind of diminishes and providing some kind of solution and we can get into this for a bit. But right now all they have is a MacBook Air. I guess the smaller MacBook Air is still being made available for the educational market. It was eight ninety nine for regular users. Maybe what? It's going to be seven ninety nine for schools. That's you know too expensive. Maybe a four ninety nine MacBook yeah. Air two or something like that would work. We've got more to come with Adam Inkst of Tidbits. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl live. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, we're talking about Apple's prospects for educational use, and we look at Chromebooks. They're cheap, and because they're cheap... If they're broken, you just buy a new one. And if it costs us it, two or three hundred dollars, yeah. school systems can get them for a lot less. What, one hundred fifty? I'm thinking a three twenty nine iPad purchased in lots of ten thousand for a school system is what two hundred twenty nine. 
very possibly. You know, I'm sure that the negotiations happen all over the place. But I know that, for instance, you know, um, some school school districts are self-insuring the Chromebooks. In essence, they're not bothering to insure them because they're so cheap. It's just cheaper to take a Chromebook that's sufficiently broken and throw it away and buy a new one. Yeah, exactly. But you can't do that. Well, with an iPad, six of one, half dozen of the other. With a MacBook Air, you can't. Right, just too expensive. I mean, I, th- I think the problem is, is, and this is a little bit of the single single supplier problem, right? Apple makes products for everyone. They don't really make products for a specific market. Whereas in the PC world, in the Chromebook world, things like that, you have companies that say, ah, we're going to focus on education. We're going to tweak our devices so they're the best devices for education, whether that's the hardware or the software or the price or whatever. And they can do that. Whereas Apple, best they're going to really do is say, we think that you know the best device in our product line for education would be this. It would be the iPad, would be the 11-inch MacBook Air you know, that we're still holding around for those people. But they're not designing anything for those particular markets. And you can argue that Apple's design is good enough that they don't have to. But I think that what you see is that it's not really true that you know a particular market does have particular needs. And it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. So does Apple take the educational market seriously enough to do something? To design something spe- special? No, and they never have. You know, I won't say never. There have been devices that were, you know, back in the early days of Apple that have been particular to particular markets. Well, we but have, of course, the, the EMAC. Part, Remember the EMAC? Yeah, the, right. I mean, the, the EMAC was based on the Newton. Uh, or not, not the EMAC was based on the Newton. The uh, What was the... E-Mate was based on the Newton, but yeah, the E-Mac was the was, E-Mac uh, was an iMac. Was an iMac with an, you know, an education bent, so to speak. And I don't know, I can't remember the details that was that were different about it. But it was probably mostly just the same thing, cheaper. They've tried this in the past, and part of the problem is is that they don't think that way. That uh, I've talked about this before, but Apple has a very specific mindset, and they don't really do well in markets that require you to focus on that market. For instance, Apple is a huge company, but they don't really think like a General Motors or a General Electric. They think like a small company that sells a boatload of one product. And that's why So everything Apple does in many ways is all about iOS. And so you see them doing other products, but it sometimes feels like their heart isn't in it or they don't quite understand what they're doing with the other products because they're really just focused on iOS because that's where the bulk of the money comes in. And education sort of the same problem, right? That if Apple was focused on education, they would be in those schools talking to the teachers, talking to the administrators, talking to the, the budget people going, what do we need to do to make the best possible computing device for you? And that would probably not be the best possible computing device for a 45-year-old professional with a family. You know, those are different markets and they need different things. But Apple doesn't look that way. I mean, they the same thing with enterprise, right? For the longest time, they didn't do anything specific at all for enterprise. Now we're finally seeing some enterprise software 
uh, and you know that you can get for your Mac or your your, you know, your your iPads if you deploy these things. But Apple really didn't do anything different for those markets, and that was just not the way those markets are used to being treated, right? They're used to being treated by companies who want to sell to them and are willing to bend over backwards to do something special because it's a lot of money when they you sell into Boeing or Walmart or whatever it is. Well, I'm wondering here also, if Apple wanted to do it, maybe some kind of iPad hybrid. So it is an iPad, been, but it comes yeah. in a small notebook format with a real keyboard, but still an iPad. So it's a 9.7-inch iPad, but it's a clamshell notebook. So it's yeah, a hybrid. It runs iOS. Rumored. It's been rumored forever. And, you know, that, that Apple, in essence, would be sort of merging the Mac and the I, I, iPad in various ways. And could happen. Uh, you know, certainly never say never, but I'd be surprised. Just when you look at the way Apple has done things – they don't tend to uh, they don't tend to do that sort of 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 of, of approach where they're well, you know taking the best of different worlds. They tend to like to design each product f- to be the best it can be rather than make compromises. Now that said, I do think that we've also seen simultaneously Apple's getting a little. I want to say sloppy almost. So if you look at like the MacBook line, you know, all the MacBooks, you've got the 13-inch MacBook Air, you've got the 12-inch MacBook, you've got the 13-inch MacBook Pro and the 15-inch MacBook Pro. And it's actually quite difficult to figure out which of those is the best machine for your needs because the MacBook Air is cheaper and more powerful than the MacBook uh, and the MacBook Pro is more powerful and has a better screen than the MacBook Air, but it's a lot more expensive. And you know, it, it's it's a sort of weird multivariable equation. You know, it's it's a long, you know, it's been a long time since we've had Steve Jobs' famous matrix of one desktop and one laptop for consumer and one for professional. And now it's really fairly tricky to suss out what you might want. And Apple just sort of keeps part of it. They confuse things by keeping older devices around. Apple used to be much more like, here's the, here's what we have. Everything before is now not for sale. Okay. With the iPad, that's less so, except for the iPad mini four, which is still kept in the market, but the iPad is, that's it for the iPad. Then there's two iPad pros. They simplified the market. An iPad hybrid would, like I say, be, Just take the standard iPad, build a notebook-style bottom to it so it opens up like a notebook. So it's like taking the guts of the case with, you know, a more proper keyboard and making it, like I said, a hybrid notebook, still running iOS, but with a proper keyboard and maybe a proper input kind of thing going on there. And if they did that... I mean, proper input like a small trackpad. So it's three twenty nine for what they have now, and maybe that's four ninety nine. And in the educational market, it's you know four twenty nine or something. That might be a way to compete if they cared about it, because I don't think it would require that much development on Apple's part. The the trackpad would be the problem, because apart from word processors. Nothing else in iOS has a cursor. That everything else is, you know, direct manipulation. You put your finger where you want to do. You want to pick something up, you 
touch it with your finger. And so it's only with text that you you get some kind of a cursor and that you might control with arrow keys or move with your finger or on the iPhone 6 and newer uh, or 6S, 6, 6S and newer where you get 3D touch. Um, 3D touch actually you can you can push into the keyboard to get trackpad mode and that's brilliant for moving the the, uh, the, key, the cursor around. So so that's a that's a slightly trickier situation. But apart from but I, I think the keyboard in, in a in a clamshell actually also protects the screen more. So you know so that's a good thing, and you know and it could be designed you know to be really you know really smooth and 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 durable. So it's you know again it's always possible. But you know, I I don't know. We'd have to we'd have to see Apple see if Apple you know could come up with some interesting way to make that seem like it just wasn't a, a weird compromise. We have Adam Inkst. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's 800-765-9681. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. 
Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. It's a no-brainer. A big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Focusing on Apple future products, very little said, in fact, nothing said so far from me or Adam Ingst about an iPhone 8. We'll leave that to the announcement of something. I'm going to make (laughs) one statement where I think iPhone 8 is really, really a dumb name. Apple might call it iPhone Pro, iPhone Edition, or iPhone 10. I think Edition is is a dumb name, too. Edition doesn't mean anything. Well, it didn't work that well for the <laughs> Apple Watch. Speaking of Apple Watch, no one even talks about it, but sales keep climbing. What's going on there? Uh, you know, it's been interesting because I, I see more Apple Watches. I've actually talked to more people who have bought them. I think it's people just got accustomed to it. It was too radical of an idea to attract people who were not inherently, you know, kind of involved in the technology, uh, you know, at first. But as they've gotten more accustomed to the idea, like, oh, yeah, actually, it would be nice to not have to pull out my iPhone for certain things. And and I wear a watch anyway, and maybe I have to replace my watch. Or, and, you know, also there's a certain level of – I think the Apple Watch actually makes a pretty good present. It's expensive enough. I mean, there's the you can get the Series 1 for 269 I think 9 and 369 I think, are the prices or for the uh, Series 2. It's expensive enough, but it's not radically expensive. So you could imagine someone buying it for someone else. And it wasn't obviously a, like a, an embarrassing flop. So also people looking at it did not say, oh, wow, you know, yeah, that I don't want one of those now that I've seen what other people have had to say. A great number of us say, yeah, we like our watches. They're not the next best thing since sliced bread, but, you know, I, I wear it every day. I enjoy wearing it. You know, it wasn't a mistake to get it. So, so and far, that, you know, the last estimate I heard is Apple has sold 32 million, which ain't bad. No one else is 
doing anything close. But what happens here when you look at those sales, they're not compared with smartwatches. They're compared with wearables. So a Fitbit. Stick a Fitbit on what your arm or something like that. That's the equivalent in the market to an Apple Watch? Well, the problem is, is that for what most people do at an Apple Watch, it's actually not too hard to get it elsewhere. So if you want to be able to see the time um, and get notifications from your phone, lots of things will do that. That's not hard. For instance, I use the Apple Watch. uh, I use the modular face that tells me what my next upcoming appointment is. And that's something I find valuable. That's something you probably wouldn't get from a Fitbit or the Garmin, fancier Garmin sports watches now will also connect to your phone and and tell you, you know, give your notifications. So there is still a level to which all these things are still looking for the killer app. Yeah, there is nothing that having it on your wrist turns out to be so much better that it's absolute necessity for everybody. But as time goes on, people come around to the idea that maybe it would be just a little bit better. So looking at that here, do we see that maybe a future generation Apple Watch is going to be the thing that suddenly takes off incredibly? It's going to have a smooth increase in popularity. And a couple of years, maybe people who bought the first version will buy new ones. There'll be a replacement cycle. I have no idea what that replacement cycle is supposed to be. Because normally with watches, they last for years and years. This is something completely new. Like I have a $12.88 Walmart watch. It's still on the second battery and it seems to be keeping time pretty well. So I see no incentive to ever replace it. Maybe the next battery, I'll say, you know what? The battery is going to cost me, what, $5 and change at Walmart, and they will change it for you at that price. Now for twelve eighty-eight, I've got a couple of extra dollars here. I'll buy a new watch. Otherwise, I can keep this thing for 10 years. But you right. can't imagine someone with a first-generation Apple Watch keeping it for more than, what, three or four years or something like that. We don't know what the replacement cycle is. On the other hand, I'm thinking of what's the future? Does Apple eventually incorporate the cellular radio? It becomes practical. Things like that that move it to a further generation of something. That's the question. You know, is it if what the watch can do becomes more interesting, particularly as some of the apps that rely on the sensors, like there's some interesting medical apps in the works and some out there already, you know, that if you have a heart condition or various other things, high blood pressure, maybe, I don't know if they can, they have sensors that, you know, the watch can, can help detect that. But if there's something where the watch can do something for you that you either had to rely on another device for or that could not be done at all, then that might be interesting. So again, if it if they add the cellular radio so you actually can can get data and cell phone call, you know, cell calls on the watch, you still don't have much of an interface. But remember, we have the AirPods now in Siri. And so you could imagine the watch and the AirPods being almost as good as the phone for many tasks, particularly as Siri improves. So there are lots of situations where you can imagine the watch becoming more attractive over time. And you know, you don't see people upgrading from the Series 1 to the Series 2 unless they need the GPS chip or significantly better, you know, sunscreen sun viewability because the screen got a little bit better for that. Then it became more waterproof. So, you know, so those are the three big reasons why you might up, might have upgraded. One possibility for increased sales is just more technology that works better. 
But the other is actually that it just gets cheaper, right? So when the Series 1 watch became available at 269 I'll bet that increased sales quite a lot because dropping the price by 100 bucks makes it significantly more attractive to people who just weren't going to spend $369 before. And so if, if they get a version of the Apple Watch down to you know, 99 bucks, then I think that will probably sell really well because enough people see it as somewhat useful but not $369 useful, that they would be attracted at, those, at that lower price point. So those are the two possibilities we can see for what will cause the Apple Watch to keep, keep selling. And it's possible that Apple will do both, or it's possible that they'll only go in one direction, that they will only keep the price high and keep adding technology, or the technology will kind of stagnate. Um, you know, they'll make small changes, but they'll always be keeping a low-end one available for a, for a cheap price. So if there's a $199, $199 Apple Watch, is that the magic bullet? I honestly think it's more like $99. You think a $99. Remember also, the first iPod, the first iPod cost $399. We yep. forget that. And it really came down. I mean, then we had an iPod for $49 and then in the, in the hundreds for the yeah. iPod Nano. So I guess if you had a $99 Apple Watch, which is a little bit better in the first edition, you know, Apple Watch SE or something, that could work. Adam Inks, please tell our listeners where we can find more of your stuff. Uh, Everything we write, including full coverage of Apple's latest financial results, which were kind of interesting, you can find at tidbits.com. And for those of you out there who are Apple consultants or other professionals, if you're looking for content for your blogs or email newsletters or social media feeds, we do that at the Tidbits Content Network at TCN, tidbitscontentnetwork.tidbits.com. Adam Inks, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Uh, Thanks for having me, Gene. are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Are you one of the 15 million men who suffer from an enlarged prostate? If your life revolves around finding the closest bathroom, if you're tired of waking up many times a night to urinate, then you need to know about Prostate Miracle. Prostate Miracle contains beta-cytosterol, which is 3,000 times stronger than salt palmetto. To claim your $10 Patriot discount, go to ProstateMiracle.com and enter promo code PATRIOT. Or call 877-965-2140. That's 877-965-2140. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. 
If food became scarce, would you be able to feed yourself and your family? Have you found some emergency food supplies can cost upwards of $300 for a month's supply, and worst of all, they're packed with chemicals and other unpronounceable ingredients? At 30dayfood.com, our mission is to provide you with food that's not only healthy and natural, but also affordable. At 30dayfood.com, for only $127, you can order meals that are naturally high in fiber, carbs, and protein, packaged in Mylar bags with oxygen absorbers for superior shelf life. For a limited time only, your order ships free, but that's not all. Enter promo code PREP10 to receive 10% off your entire order. Call 800-700-2184 today. 30dayfood.com keeps prices low by buying directly from suppliers in the Pacific Northwest, then passing the savings along to you. Go to 30dayfood.com or call 800-700-2184 for the most cost-effective and healthy food storage solution. That's 30dayfood.com at 800-700-2184. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. For those suffering from hearing loss, a typical morning may sound like this. Hey, good morning. But with an MD hearing aid, mornings could sound like this. Hey, good morning. Music with hearing loss may sound like this. With an MD hearing aid? If you or a loved one want to enjoy all the sounds you've been missing, you need to try the MD Hearing Aid. You can try it risk-free for 45 days. Just call 1-800-481-6532. MD Hearing Aid is an FDA-registered, audiologist-tested hearing aid. And at a savings of more than 80% off the average price of a traditional hearing aid, hearing clearly again is more affordable than you think. So instead of a muffled weather report, you could be hearing... But it's looking sunny with warm temps into the weekend. To hear what you've been missing for a fraction of the price, try the MD Hearing Aid risk-free for 45 days. Call 1-800-481-6532. Plus, you'll get free shipping and free batteries for a year. 1-800-481-6532. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We welcome back. Derek Kessler, who was on the Tech Night Out Live some months back, and now he's associated with a website called Tesla Central. So, Derek, how did you get on the Tesla beat? Oh, well, I just love really all sorts of technology and gadgets and all that jazz, and uh, an electric car is like the biggest gadget you can possibly buy. Indeed. Do you have like a Prius or something? I actually have a Tesla. Yeah, I have a Model S parked in my garage, and it's, it's my favorite thing ever. Well, I look at it this way. 
I need another $99,000 to get one. But when I get it, I yeah. would consider it. Yeah, yeah, they're not they're not exactly cheap. Uh, I, I didn't even go for the top end performance model because while that's incredibly fun, I don't need a car that can go that fast, nor do I need to spend that kind of money. They offer aggressive leases, I've noticed. And just to be brief, mm-hmm. do they make money from that or is it just to put people into the seat? Tesla says that they do make money on the cars alone, uh, but it's infrastructure investments like the giant gigafactory that they're building out in Nevada to make batteries uh, and the uh, supercharger network that they're building out so that you can drive across the country without having to stop and charge for five hours every couple of hours that are eating into their profits. Whether or not they're actually making a profit on the car, that's really going to matter when the Model 3 comes out and they're producing those en masse. Now, Consumer Reports first gave the Tesla incredible rating, especially the Model S. Mm -hmm. And then I guess there were ongoing problems with reliability. So do you have one of the early models or something a little bit more recent? Mine is a a newer one. And the only time I had to have it taken in, uh, it's one with the newer autopilot hardware that's supposed to eventually be able to fully drive itself. And I just had to take it in for a calibration of one of the cameras. I I know that early on, a lot of people had a lot of issues with their cars because Tesla was a relatively new car company. They made an incredible vehicle, but they didn't have experience in producing cars in mass quantities. And a lot of things slipped through the cracks, especially when the Model X rolled out and it turned out to be kind of finicky with those big fancy doors. Yeah, those wacky doors. Now, let me put myself in a position here so you understand where I'm coming from, because Mm -hmm. I'm an older guy. So I grew up and I've seen lots of car makers vanish. We don't remember the Studebaker. We remember the Studebaker Avanti, this really, really fancy sports car, actually kind of a sports touring car, that even after Studebaker went away, somebody continued to make them. So we have that. We had American Motors. We had the Rambler. We had the Packard. We had Oldsmobile. We had... Pontiac. Oldsmobile is still around. Oh, it it is? Yeah. I thought GM discontinued the Oldsmobile. I'm I'm sorry. Buick is still around. They had so many many mid-luxury brands, it's hard to keep them track. I could never tell the difference between Buick and Oldsmobile. They had Pontiac, which tended to be the sporty brand. I owned a Pontiac. It was the worst car I ever owned. The transmission leaked fluid, and in a 1,000 miles, it needed a transmission overhaul brand new car right so gm had its problems but you know i own two saturns where's saturn today Mm -hmm. okay i like the first couple of saturns i thought they were really really nice cars and they came out with a version in the late 1990s they blew it the things i liked about the car comfortable seats good acceleration handling pretty solid construction I don't know what they did, maybe cost-cutting or something. So we don't have a Saturn anymore. We don't have a Plymouth anymore. My late brother once owned a Plymouth. So the key is there that we have big or relatively big companies building cars and killing brands to tighten things up. So the climate for a new car maker had to be incredibly difficult. Yeah, it's uh, you know, Tesla came about right when all of these companies were going through massive contraction. Uh, but Tesla started out very much on the high end. Their first car was the Roadster uh, back in early 2000s, or sorry, late late 2000s. 
you know, it was not a car that anybody would get to be their daily driver. It was a modified Lotus, heavily modified Lotus Elise. And it was designed just to go fast and be a test platform essentially for their electric dreams. Once they finally got around to producing the Model S and eventually the Model X, they've been getting into that sort of zone where they can produce cars. But Tesla is still in a somewhat precarious position. If the Model 3 launch doesn't go off as well as they hope it will, uh, there could be not a Tesla in five or six years. Well, certainly there's plenty of competition now. You mm-hmm. have GM with its Bolt, which is a direct-on competitor to Tesla. It's not a very good-looking car, though. And that's the thing also. No. Why do electric cars have to be ugly? Tesla is sleek. GM's yeah. entry is ugly. I don't know about you, but I'm not happy about the looks of a Toyota Prius. I've ridden in them, and I guess they're comfortable enough, and I guess they offer the proper amount of energy savings and anything like that. But why are they so ugly? I do not know. Uh, There seems to be something with GM's designers, because we saw that with the Chevy Volt with a V. Uh, their first plug-in electric hybrid, which was the first car of its type, period. And they decided we need to make it look like some sort of sci-fi spaceship thing. And it was not an attractive car. And they've done the same thing with the Bolt. And Tesla says, you know, we're just going to make a car that looks like a car because that's what people expect and want. And they make a car that looks nice and sleek and fast like it is versus GM feels the need to make these wacky sci-fi designs i rather like what ford has done they you know they have the focus electric and the fusion plug-in hybrid and both of them look exactly like the gas-powered versions of those cars so we don't need to make any changes to this except for add another port where you can plug in an outlet instead of a gas line so the key here is from the outside an electric car should just look like a car yeah I mean, the the Teslas, newer Teslas uh, have, they've dropped the faux sort of grill design that the original Model S had. It had sort of a nose cone on it that emulated the look of a grill. And they dropped that with a Model X and then with the refreshed Model S and the Model 3 is not going to have one either. They just have a plain flat front and it tells you there's something different about this car, but at the same time, it doesn't give off any sort of weird vibes like the Bolt or the uh, Volt did. It doesn't draw attention to itself as something weird. If I pass a Tesla on the road, yeah, I'll know what it is because I follow cars. But I think most people will just say, oh, it's a fancy looking car. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even really, it, it looks unique, but I would personally say it doesn't even look all that fancy. It doesn't have that sort of I am a fancy luxury car elegance that, say, a top-end BMW or Mercedes has. It's a lot more of a condensed down and uh, design. It's not not as uh, luxury refined as you might get from those higher-end cars. So it it looks like just any old car. I've had plenty of people who just look at it, and it's just a car to them until you turn it on and roll away, and it doesn't make any sound. And it has a trunk on both sides. Front and back. It does. So much storage space. Because of how the car is structured, essentially the battery is the bottom of the car from axle to axle and side to side. So it's like a giant skateboard. And then each motor, they're roughly the size of large watermelon. And they sit right down on top of the axle, just tiny little, tiny little uh, gear reduction transmission to get to the axle. Uh, so there's not 
a whole lot of space that's taken up by the engine as you're used to with a gas-powered car. So they can have a trunk up front. You open up the hood and there's extra storage space up there. Not as much as they used to because they've put in things like the big uh, HEPA filters for the bioweapon defense mode and you still have, need to have space for the air conditioner and th washer fluids and steering steering column and all that jazz. Uh, but even in the back, there's massive amounts of space because there's no gas tank taking up any room. And I want to talk more about the amenities of this car as we progress. And we're talking to Derek Kessler, teslacentral.com. This is going to be fun, folks. I'm the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. You want to save money in a place that gives you growth, control, and certainty without stock market risk or tax risk, and you want guarantees and you want it all tax-free. That's a tall order. But you can get all of that with properly designed participating whole life insurance. Most people think life insurance pays after you're dead. That's true. But you can have tax-free access to use your life insurance while you're alive. Get the free book to find out how. Call 702-660-7000. Everything you've been told about identity theft prevention is a flat-out lie. No one can prevent identity theft. No one. Go to LibertyID.com and use the promo code FREETRIAL for 60 days free. Cancel at any time. Liberty ID is the industry leader in identity theft restoration. Liberty ID fixes the fallout for you. Liberty ID does all the work, but you have to be prepared. Go to LibertyID.com, promo code FREETRIAL, LibertyID.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. 
people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Love or loathe him, Donald J. Trump is our 45th president. There is no denying now that Trump will go down in history, both despised and admired. Commemorate Trump's presidency with your very own Trump Silver Bust from TrumpSilverStatue.com. This museum-quality heirloom Trump Silver Statue Bust is hand-cast from 20 troy ounces of silver, a great investment. From TrumpSilverStatue.com. Loathed or loved, own a valuable piece of Trump's legacy. Get your solid silver Trump bust today at TrumpSilverStatue.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Now, another thing about a car, of course, are the amenities. Mm-hmm. So you're going in there, and I have seen the inside of a Tesla a couple of times. I was at a tire shop getting a flat tire fixed a few months back. And someone drives up in this Tesla. And we got to talking. And he showed me the inside. And it looks like a car until you look at the dashboard. Yeah. It's, it's like a, a giant uh, iPad there. Yeah, it has a 17-inch screen that's sort of arranged in a portrait orientation. Big old 1080p display. You get, do your standards of navigation and playing back music and using the rear view camera. And that's all done on the display. But because it's so big, you can actually split it in two. You can have like your navigation at the top and your music or your energy usage down at the bottom. So it's sort of like a split view long before Apple figured out how to do it on the iPad. It's hands down the best in-car system I've seen on any car. And it has the advantage of being fully connected to the internet. The, in the United States, these cars all have AT&T connections. Newer ones have LTE, so you can pull down Google Maps and it has a web browser in it. It's a pretty terrible web browser, but it's in there if you need to pull something up to show somebody. And it's just absolutely phenomenal. And I really like the interior design overall of the cars because it's a lot more Spartan than you would expect for a quote-unquote luxury car. Tesla doesn't call their cars luxury. They're premium. I'm making air quotes over here. That it's not so fancy feeling. There aren't little bits of gilded chrome and switches and knobs all over the place. They really dial it down, and there are just two buttons on the dash. One is to open the glove box, and the other is to activate the hazard lights, and that's only because it's required by law that that be a physical button. The sound system, how does it compare to the sound system in a luxury car? It does not. Uh, I'll be honest, the the base sound system is okay. It's maybe like basic Lexus level uh, quality. And then the upgraded ultra high fidelity sound system adds a couple of new uh, additional speakers and a subwoofer. And it's better, but it still requires a lot of tweaking to really get what you want out of it. 
Uh, my card just happened to come with it. I personally wouldn't have paid for it, but it's decent, but it's not on par with what you would expect from the named brand systems like the Alpines and the Boses and Bang & Olufsen speakers that you'll find in other high-end cars. Is that a design mistake or what? I think it's just that, uh, you know, for one, Tesla doesn't have the partnership with a high-end audio manufacturer that other car manufacturers have. Tesla speakers are not branded. You don't get into it like you can in a, I, I believe, I can't remember. I think Mercedes has partnered with specific audio companies to produce speakers and speaker designs and audio tuning specifically for each car. And I know that Audi and BMW have done the same in Tesla. It's just their speakers and they're okay. Maybe eventually they'll get around to doing that, but they have so many other things on their plate that making a car that sounds incredibly good is sort of, I suppose, lower on their priorities. On the flip side, the car is a lot quieter because it doesn't have a box of exploding gasoline up front. So you can actually still pick up more out of those speakers than you might out of another car. Well, I suppose if there was a way to do it, the aftermarket could help, but it's probably not the same thing. So what I was going to ask here, Derek, there's no aftermarket for Tesla sound systems, is there? There are a few companies that do aftermarket systems, uh, but they are, you know, it's re- it's a relatively small market right now because Tesla sells only tens of thousands of cars in a year. They're they're ramping up, and maybe there will be that more of a robust aftermarket for the Model Three, but the Model S and the Model X are relatively niche cars. I see them a lot because just I, I see them because I'm trained to see them. They stand out in my mind because it's a car I wanted for a long time. But there aren't nearly as many of them as there are Honda Accords and Toyota Corollas. This is the thing when you buy a car or use a car a lot, suddenly you see them all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just sort of that training. It's like, I see this all the time in my garage or, you know, say even you get a new phone and you hadn't thought about it before, but now you see it, you see it in your hand all the time and you're going to pick up on it when other people have that phone, even if you hadn't noticed that before. The human mind is funny like that. Well, we cover some of that in our paranormal radio show, The Powercast, about the things that people can imagine and the things that people could see. But we'll get back to that. Let's get back to the Tesla. Okay, so obviously to be really credible in the car making industry, Tesla wanted to make an affordable car. Now let's put affordable in quotes here, okay? So we have the Model 3, and we'll get into more of that in a moment. And it's going to cost $35,000. Now, the average transaction price of a new car now is what, thirty-two or 33000 Because so many people buy SUVs? Mm-hmm. And oh. yeah, they're, they're usually not buying the base model of a car. And that 35000 is the base price of the Model 3. And that way it's working, though, is there will be no enhanced model at the beginning. It'll just be the base model and the color that you want. You're also eligible for $7,500 federal tax credit in the U.S. up until they sell 200,000 cars, after which that goes away. It fades away. The tax credit is per company. So when Tesla reaches 200,000 vehicles sold in the United States, because they've already, I believe they've either already crossed 200,000 globally or they're coming up on that. 
um, because Tesla's business in Europe is pretty robust. But it's within the U.S., so at some point in the early quarters of the Model 3, it's expected that they will cross that 200,000 mark. And at that point, it is, if I remember correctly, they have until the end of that quarter, and then one additional quarter, at which point the $7,500 is cut in half. It goes for one more quarter. That credit is cut in half again, and then it goes away. So there's about a year after they hit that 200,000 mark where there'll be some sort of federal tax credit, but it will slowly fade away. Unfortunately for anybody who tries to buy a Model 3 today and goes and puts down their reservation and pays the $1,000, they're probably not going to get that tax credit. And look at the pricing structure in this sense. $35,000 is kind of the cost of a low-end BMW 3 Series. But Mm -hmm. optioned, a BMW 3 Series can go upwards of 50,000. So I kind of expect here that the Model 3, once they have different versions with different engines, batteries, and options, it will cost forty-five or 50000 Easy. Easily. The Tesla Model S at one point, when they still had the software-limited 60-kilowatt-hour battery, started at $66,000 and ran all the way up to 148000 depending on how you wanted to equip that car. With a bigger battery and performance model, performance motors, and the leather interior, and the upgraded sound system, and a fancy air suspension, and all that stuff. Uh, I imagine that even with this sort of limited production run at the very beginning when they're going to have, if you want a Model 3 now and you signed up for one of the early reservations, you're going to get it with this and you get to pick the color. There will still be software options that will be available because there will be the enhanced autopilot and the uh, full self-driving will be software options for the car because all the cars still come with all the cameras and the radar and the parking sensors that they need to be capable of that. And it'll just be up to the buyer whether they want to pay the charge to enable that. Okay, so looking at it this way, the car that you get, it's obviously to me when you see the picture, it looks like a smaller S in many respects. I mean, you look, for example, the BMW 3 Series, and they're really nice cars. I've driven them, but there's no room in the rear seat. So the Model 3, does it have enough room in the rear seat for uh, two or three people without really just squeezing like sardine cans in there? Uh, Tesla advertises that it's going to be a a five-seater car, but I imagine it is going to be pretty tight in the back. I'd say it's probably going to be like a cord spacious, maybe slightly tighter. There, it, It is a slightly smaller dimensionally, or I'd say it's significantly smaller exterior-wise than the Model S. The Model S has a relatively long nose on it, and they're shrinking a lot of that down on the Model 3, and it's not going to have as much space in the rear cargo area. They're going with a trunk instead of a hatchback design. But the passenger compartment isn't a whole lot smaller than it is in the Model S. Now, I suppose this is a matter of opinion, but I think the Honda Accord, and I've owned them, They're pretty roomy cars for what they offer, just to set that in perspective. We've got more to come with Derek Kessler. We're talking about the Tesla Model 3. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. 
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Ralph, remember when you said you were going to start paying more attention to your health and now you're eating potato chips? Just a few. A few, okay, but you should be eating Superberries Aronia Berries. Aronia what? Aronia Berries from Superberries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness. Go to Superberries.com slash radio. And right now we get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus we can save $4 at checkout. Wow, look at all the benefits of these berries. I know, Ralph, I know. Choose health, eat purple, Superberries.com. Being self-reliant is about being prepared and to do what you need to have your own source of renewable energy. Portable Solar LLC offers the most powerful EMP-hardened solar system on the market that is transportable from place to place. And the best part? It's very affordable. Contact them at PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875. Soul Arc EMP-hardened solar generator, energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today or go to PortableSolarLLC.com to check out their patent-pending technology. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, everything sounds really promising. It's going to have really nice acceleration. It's going to be like a normal car instead of like two and a half seconds from zero to 60. They're talking about a range of 215 miles. Am I correct? That's the base range, yes. Okay, so let's compare that now. You have a Model S. What is the advertised driving range? On mine, it is 240 miles um, because I have the 70 kilowatt hour version. If you go all the way up to the 100 kilowatt Model S, it'll go up to 335 miles. The base model you can buy right now has 260 miles range. But you can't get that. There's no update to the current for my vehicle. Yes. Uh, Right. My vehicle is limited to what it is right now. Uh, If I wanted to get a bigger battery in my car, I'd have to go buy a different car. That's the advertised range. How realistic is that for regular driving? Uh, For regular driving, honestly, I get a little bit above that, and I'm cruising down the highway at 75 miles an hour, uh, as long as it is not cold outside. The fun thing with an electric car is the battery needs to be warm to be functioning at its highest efficiency, and both heating the cabin and heating the battery when it's cold outside use a lot of energy because there's, there's, there's no internal combustion engine up front that it can just leach heat off of like your standard Ford or GM car can. So generating heat takes a lot of energy and you can expect when it's cold. And when I say cold, 
I mean, 20 degrees or below Fahrenheit, that your range will take a serious hit. Uh, I've watched it go from the advertised 240 miles that I have and get closer to 180. The key here is this is the Achilles heel. If you live in a cold climate, you better have charging stations pretty close together, right? Yes, and Tesla has been doing that when they build out their supercharger network. When it's places where it gets cold regularly, they're putting them closer together so that you can make that range, make that distance to the next charger when you have to travel long distances. Uh, the car at least is able to figure out after just a couple of minutes of you driving, hey, it's it's cold and it's not getting any warmer, and we're going to adjust the amount of range that we're telling you that you have. And if it turns out that you are going to exceed your your destination is further than you can make it'll either route you to another charger or, or i've had it happen where i misjudged how much charge i had available and it said you need to slow down if you're, you're not going to make it and so i slowed down and i made it this range anxiety it will a day come when you don't have to worry about that where batteries will be efficient enough to give you 400 miles or something eventually it's not so much a measure of the battery's efficiency, it's a matter of the car's aerodynamic efficiency. They're making big strides with that. The Model 3 is going to be one of the most aerodynamically efficient mass-produced cars ever made. So they can get away with putting in a smaller, less expensive battery and still be able to achieve a reasonable range uh, for average daily driving. Most people on their daily driving will do about 20 to 30 miles in a day. Off of that, that's easy enough to charge, plug into your garage or in your driveway off of a standard 120-volt outlet, and you can recoup that overnight. The longer-distance stuff is a headache only in that charging still takes a while, and that is the disadvantage of an electric car versus gas. I run low on gas. There is a gas station everywhere. No matter where I am, I will be able to find a gas station, and I will be able to put fuel in my car. If I'm running low in an electric car, I have to plan. I have to get to this place here and plug in, and I'm going to have to plug in for an hour or maybe two, depending on what kind of charging station it is, so that I can make it to the next charge station and the next charge station. Uh, so they've put a lot of work into making that easier. There are options in the car. So I'm in Cincinnati, and I tell I want to drive to Sacramento. It's going to say, you don't have enough charge to make it to Sacramento. But if you stop in Indianapolis, and then you stop at this charger in Illinois, and then you're going to stop at this one in Missouri, and so on and so forth, it will get you to where you need to go. But you're going to have to stop and charge a lot. Is there a way to speed up the charging process? There is. Tesla's superchargers run at about 150 kilowatts, which is stupid fast. And it dumps power directly into the battery, direct DC connection versus the AC connection you'll get off of most other standard chargers. They can up the power rate of a supercharger uh, to many more kilowatts. The problem is first getting that sort of power to the supercharger site because then it, you can't just pull that off of a uh, standard power line. They're going to need upgraded lines and upgraded transformers there on site to be able to handle that. We're also coming up against the theoretical maximum of how quickly you can charge an individual battery cell. And that might just be one of the things that we have to trade off with that, you know, future cars are not going to be as 
able to refill as quickly, but there can be breakthroughs in technology and we may be able to figure out something with battery, battery chemistry or supercapacitors or onboard solar charging and figuring out how to make that super efficient that maybe someday it'll be a lot easier. But for now, you know, you have to just figure out that when you're driving, okay, every two or three hours or so, I'm gonna have to stop for a little bit and charge. You know, after three or four hours, I wanna get out of the car and walk around anyway. So just doing little Phillips may work. Basically. For two, three hours on the road, I'm going to stop for half an hour or something like that, whatever, and maybe take a walk or get a sandwich or something. It's like right. changing your lifestyle a little bit. A little bit, yeah. It requires forces you to slow down a bit. Tesla's at least tried to put their supercharger stations in places where you wouldn't mind being stuck for half an hour or an hour, depending on where it is and how much charge you have left. Uh, I drove from Ohio all the way out to Nevada and back in a car, in a Tesla. And there were only a couple of spots where it's just like, this is in the middle of nothing and there's nothing here. And at the very least, there's an Arby's or something nearby where you can use the bathroom and get a drink and some curly fries. Gotta have those curly fries and gotta have those sandwiches. You never know. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about the real problem here. Certainly, people don't believe Tesla, or some analysts don't, on the basis of the fact that they've had production problems. So those wacky doors on the Model X yep. were difficult to produce. Then they had some problems with battery production in the last quarter. That is the issue that they claim was why they were not able to produce and sell as many vehicles as they wanted to. They still produced more than they had a year ago, the same quarter, uh, uh, but it was sequentially down over the previous quarter, which can be an issue. Uh, they're Right now, the batteries that are in the Model S and Model X are produced by Panasonic in partnership with Tesla, but in a Panasonic factory run by Panasonic workers through contracting with that. The Model 3 is why they are building that giant gigafactory out in Nevada, because they need to have more control over that, producing batteries specifically for their needs that are calibrated and designed chemistry for automotive applications and able to be produced at a mass quantities that are able to leverage economies of scale and bring down the costs. Part of the fact that they're going with that sort of vertical integration also means that if they run into problems in production, they can't just turn to another supplier and say, we need you to supply us with control sway arms. Uh, that we can put in our cars while our other suppliers getting their act together, or they can't just switch suppliers as they need to. And that's that, that can cause some hiccups in their supply and production lines. And that's evidently what's going on here. And when you come up with something brand new, it takes a while to get the kinks out. And we're going to talk about that and Tesla's ambitious plans in our next segment. We're talking about the Tesla 3, and officially it's going to be in production by the time you hear this episode on Saturday evening. So you never know. They, I guess they're skeptical about SpaceX too, and Elon Musk has managed to make that work. Yeah, he, he has absolutely made SpaceX work uh, in a way that, you know, we're used to just governments being able to do rocketry and here they are launching and landing and relaunching rockets which was the stuff of science fiction five years ago more to come on the tech night out live 
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now, and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-557-0158. That's 800-557-0158. Again, 800-557-0158. 
Are you looking to become more self-sufficient? Then you need to have your own energy source. The Solark EMP Hardened Generator is automatic, maintenance-free, and reduces your monthly electric bill. You can also take it off-grid when you go camping. Contact PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875 today. Portable Solar LLC gives you everything you need to start using solar energy in less than one hour. Solark EMP Hardened Solar Generator Energy Insurance. For your family or business, call Portable Solar LLC today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We'll talk a little bit about SpaceX and Elon Musk's predictions. Okay, so the plant they're using used to be owned by GM and Toyota. So it could right. build quite a few cars, traditional methods. But now he's building, what, close to 100,000 cars a year now. But to sell and make a success of the Model 3, they've got to build hundreds of thousands of cars. So we know in July, it's going to be a few dozen. And then it's going to mm-hmm. increase. So what is Tesla promising about getting these Model 3s out? They, they've been very careful to avoid making too many promises. Uh, most of the word on that has just come out of Elon Musk's Twitter. Uh, and anybody who has followed Elon Musk on Twitter for a long time should know to take any of his claims of timelines with a grain of salt. Uh, he likes to be very optimistic, uh, which is a great thing to have in a... CEO and the public figure and somebody who's sort of very forward thinking as Elon Musk tends to be. At the same time, it can sort of get people wound up when they said, oh, this was going to happen then. Elon said it will. And it doesn't because reality sinks in. It turns out that whatever it was, was harder than they thought it was going to be. So with the Model 3, you know, they've got that former GM Toyota factory, which has a theoretical capacity of about 500,000 cars a year, which is a lot of cars, uh, but still far below what GM and Toyota and Ford and Honda actually produce in the year because they have multiple factories around the globe. For Tesla to reach their goals, they're going about it in a uh, smart and steady way. And having learned from the mistakes that were made with the original Model S and all the kinks that they had to work out of that, there are very few uh, of the original production run of the Model S still out there simply because it got to the point where it's like, it's not even the original car anymore. They've had to replace so many parts on it because they were learning as they went. And with the Model X, they bit off more than they could chew. And that ended up causing problems as far as the reliability of the car and their ability to reliably produce that vehicle at the quantities at which they had pre-orders for it. With the Model 3, they say that they've learned from those mistakes and learned from producing now more than 100,000 vehicles, and they've purposely designed the car to be a lot simpler to produce and maintain and have better reliability than they could with the previous vehicles. Whether or not that actually holds up to reality, well, I guess only time is going to tell. Okay, let's look at this very seriously here. 
Tesla, when they announced the Model 3, they got hundreds of thousands of pre-orders. People put down a $1,000 deposit. It's a refundable deposit, I understand, that if you say, I'm not going to do it, they'll give you the money back. But even then, assuming they've continued to get deposits, they've got to have a half million pre-orders right now. The last number I heard was about 380,000. Uh, but that was several months ago. Uh, I imagine it's sort of tapered off. There are a lot of people who want to see what the production car is like, and they want to make sure that, that uh, it's going to be reliable because they've heard through the grapevine that Teslas are not reliable cars and that you're going to get it and you're going to hate it because it's going to be in the shop more than you're going to drive it. And there are some people who've had Tesla cars that were like that. So I would be surprised if pre-orders have actually hit the half million mark uh, at the same time it's probably going to take them a year and a half at least to process through all of these reservations that they have because they're going to be ramping up slowly. They're only aiming to hit 20,000 cars a month by the end of December, which is fairly low compared to Tesla's goals for what they want to be getting out of this factory. So long and short of it here is that if all the people or most of the people who put down those pre-orders stick with it, it's going to be the end of 2018 or 2019 before they really see a car unless Tesla can really ramp up that production. Yeah, and Tesla is they're taking an interesting approach to how they're going to make the car widely available. Uh, it's going to be starting with on the West Coast, so where their factory is in California, uh, and then slowly moving across the United States. And they're going to give priority to, to people who have already bought Teslas, which Makes sense. You want to engender goodwill with your existing customers, but it's going to take them a long time to work through that. If you want a Model 3 and you haven't put down a reservation yet, and you're hoping to just be able to walk onto a lot at a Tesla store and buy one, you're not going to do that until 2019. I assume then, assuming production does ramp up, they'll offer additional options. The car that you buy in 2019 would be a better car than you buy now. But if they can't even come close to meeting orders on schedule, this could really come crashing down on them, right? It could. Uh, It all depends on how patient people are going to be. People had to be very patient with the original Model S. If I remember correctly, it took two years from the time that they unveiled the car to when they finally started shipping. And they were shipping in low quantities. The Model X was even longer. It took well over two years to deliver that vehicle from concept unveiling to production vehicle. The Model 3 has been relatively quick compared to that, well under a year. And people have known, at least those that have followed it, have known that if you ordered a Model 3 or put down a reservation for it and you weren't on day one or month one, it's going to be a while. They're going to have to do a ongoing job of communicating to people who have reserved the car. It could be a while, depending on where you are and where you are in line. Uh, and nobody really knows where exactly they are in line because because of that graduated geographic rollout. What do you think about the prospects? Uh, for the Model 3, I think, it, I think it could be a success, but it has to go off without a hitch. Tesla has been hit with just some bad news in the past week. They didn't hit their production goals. Uh, they got downgraded in, uh, by Goldman Sachs, their stock-wise. And Volvo came out and said, we're going to move to all hybrid and all electric by the end of next year which is a huge shift. And that's the first real competition that Tesla could possibly see. The Bolt has been a massive disappointment for GM. And that could be just because they've been advertising it poorly and it's not as desirable. I think that Tesla's 
probably going to end up being sort of like an Apple-like company where people want this car. They may not even know why, but they just want it. Well, that will certainly work. You know, so people will put up with stuff. But Apple isn't two years late in delivering a product. When they're late, it's weeks, not months. Apple was very late in delivering the MacBook Pro. It took them forever to get around to it when they needed to update the MacBook Pro and people still hung around waiting for that laptop to come out. Right. It was a matter of introducing the new model as opposed to anything else. It wasn't about, we've announced a new model, now we'll be able to deliver it in September, but no, it's going to be December. Yep. And that's that's part of the thing with Tesla's. I mean, really, we see that with all car manufacturers is they say, here is the 2018 Ford Fusion. We're announcing this in April of 2017. And it's going to be on sale maybe by the end of the year, but we're not going to tell you exactly when uh, until we're actually ready and up. we have production running on this car. And, okay, it's for sale now. More to come with Derek Kessler talking about Tesla. Kessler talking about Tesla. He's not going to like me saying that. I'm the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Lifetime Gray's 100% grass-fed beef has the health benefits you seek. When compared to conventional beef, it offers good fats while virtually eliminating the bad. That's the result of cattle who never eat grain, ever. Rich in antioxidants, including vitamin E, C, beta-carotene, and CLA. No artificial hormones, antibiotics, or other drugs. For all our fresh, non-cooked products with only 100% grass-fed beef, go to MidasResources.com. Use voucher code GCN to get 30% off your order. MidasResources.com or find us on Facebook. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. 
drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you, and you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2979-855-700-2979-855-700-2979. That's 855-700-2979. Message and data rates may apply. Please don't text while driving. Your logo is your brand, your reputation. It's your most valuable asset. So what's the best thing to do with it? Give it away. When the experts at 4imprint put your logo on the right promotional products, giving those items away can make a lasting impression, empower your brand, and attract new customers. In fact, we'll prove it by revealing the top three promotional items for driving new customers absolutely free. Simply text the keyword ACT88 to 642642. We don't just print your logo. We're here to help you every step of the way. The 4imprint team can make your logo shine on your choice of thousands of promotional items, all delivered on time at great prices with free art assistance and outstanding customer service that's second to none. Want to turn your logo into profit? Give it away. Discover the top three promotional items for driving new customers absolutely free by texting ACT88 to 642642. That's ACT88 to 642642. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So Derek Kessler, and he's involved with a Tesla site. Covering Teslas, Tesla Central. And we're talking about the pending arrival of the Model 3. Now, let's just recap the rollout plan here. The first one is going to be produced by the time you hear this episode. And then later this month, they're going to hand the keys over to, what, the first 30 or so? Right. And then beyond that, they're going to ramp up to a couple hundred a month and a couple thousand a month and buy... The end of 2018, they're hoping to be at production capacity of 20,000 a month, ramping up from there. But it's going to take a while to get to that point. And then as they go, they'll start adding in more options in the mix. But they're keeping it simple from the start, uh, partly to avoid the complications and reliability concerns that can come with making it too complicated from the start, which they've had to learn from the hard way. Now, Running around this and looking at this, if you're going to have hundreds of thousands of these cars rolling around, they're going to have to increase their charging capacity and build out more charging stations. How is that coming? Tesla has laid out a very ambitious plan for their supercharger network. Right now, you can easily drive from California to Maine to Florida and to Washington with ease. And they're reaching into Canada and Washington. They have a comprehensive network in Europe. The problem is in highly populated and dense Tesla ownership areas like California, the supercharger network gets very crowded very quickly. 
there are plenty of stations in the San Francisco area where if you roll up expecting that you're going to be able to plug in and charge and then carry on to the next station in half an hour, you're going to wait for two or three hours for a charger to open up. Sounds like a gas line. Do you, you don't remember this. You're not old enough. I remember the gas lines in the late seventies, mid to late seventies, and you'd wait an hour or an hour and a half to get filled up. So it's kind of like that. It is. Uh, So they have put out a plan that they're going to both build more individual stations. So there might be one just a couple of miles apart. They realize that people are going to be buying these cars in urban areas and they're not going to have some place where they can necessarily plug in overnight. So they're going to have to swing by a supercharger station every week or two to be able to charge up their car. Uh, they've also recognized that some of these stations just need to be playing bigger. They've been expanding several stations that are high traffic areas and say, we're just going to put in more individual charging stalls at these supercharger stations so that we can get more people in and out. And they've even put out renders for here is our massive acre sized 30 or 40 stall supercharger station that we're going to build eventually. They haven't broken ground on any of those as far as I'm aware, but it would really help in major urban areas to say, I know that I can go there and I'll be able to plug in immediately and charge and be on my way. Now, one of the problems with this entire technology is unlike gas stations, Tesla is primarily designed for a Tesla. It's not like your Chevy Bolt can go there. But wouldn't it be better that you have a standardized industry standard system for charging stations? So anybody, just like a gas station, can go and get charged up. I mean, right now, if you want to get Shell or Exxon and whatever gas pumps you have, it's okay. The octane is right, everything like that. With charging stations... You can't have exclusivity long-term, can you? I think Tesla might be able to because they paid for, built the stations, and they're they're using the Tesla supercharger network the same way that Apple initially used iTunes and the App Store. It's not a profit machine for them. It's a way for them to sell more cars. And then you sell this car and you say, You can use these stations and they're built into the car's navigation system so you can get wherever you need to go and you'll always be always be able to charge. It's simply an investment in services versus building out a network that anybody can use. They are open to other manufacturers using and licensing the the Tesla supercharger technology. And Tesla has also bundled with the car. If you buy a Tesla, it comes with a charger that you can plug into any wall outlet. You can plug it into a a 50 amp RV outlet, uh, the NEMA 1450 plug. And it also comes with an adapter so you can use any standard EV charger. Those are the J1772 chargers that previous generation electric cars used. Beyond that, you can also get an adapter to use uh, what they call Chatamo, which is a DC charging standard. It's sort of a com- competitor with the supercharger, uh, but has been rolled out by Nissan. So say the Nissan Leaf is able to charge via DC Chatamo, and you can get an adapter for that. And I've used that several times. Actually, just the past two weeks, I was out traveling around, was never able to get near a supercharger, but I had the adapter to use these third-party stations and was able to plug in and charge there. You raise an interesting thing here, Derek, which is 
Tesla will license its charging technology to other companies if they want it. What does the industry feel? Don't they see the reality of having a centralized system for everyone? To a point. Like I said, we've got that Chatamo network, which has been developed by Nissan and some other companies. The standards of engineering, I can't remember exactly which group it is, SAE. They're the ones that produce the J1772 standard, and they've also produced what they call the CCS Combo standard, which is a very large plug that's able to do DC and AC charging. Tesla's looked at that and said, we don't want to do that. And we're going to produce our own plug that's, they're going very much an Apple route. So we're going to make our own plug that is more advanced and smaller and easier to use and just looks better than what the other companies have done. Because with Tesla, one plug, you can charge off of both a 120 volt outlet and 150 kilowatt hour supercharger with the same port on the car versus other cars where they may even have multiple ports where you have to plug in through different charging methods. The industry is sort of in the early phases right now of electric, and it's very much like the early phases of the smartphone, where if you got a Nokia smartphone, it used a different proprietary connector than the Sony smartphones, which used different connectors than the Palm phones, which used a different connector than whatever HTC was putting out, and Samsung. And then Apple came along and said, we're going to use the 30-pin connector. And it's taken a long time comparatively for us to get to the point where it's just USB-C and there's still Apple using Lightning. And, and I think Apple's going to go to USB-C in a few years. In a few years, probably. But they decided you know, that they needed to move away from that 30-pin connector because it was big and bulky and couldn't do what they needed it to do. And USB-C was nowhere near ready yet. And so they put out Lightning instead. And they're kind of locked into that for at least a few more years because customers get very upset when you change the port on them, apparently. Oh, of course, of course. Going from 30-pin to Lightning, we all went through that and we understand. And then, of course, with USB, you had the mini and the micro, and that got to be pretty confusing, so we know. Let's And now we have C. Yay! USB-C doesn't bother me so much because I think that's something everybody could unify around for the time being until we have something else, which is, of course, no plug. Plug-less like that. Someday. That, now, obviously, your Tesla is not going to have Android Auto or Apple CarPlay. It does not. It, they could, theoretically, if they wanted to, but they have not. But that's primarily a software thing, pretty much. It is. So you have no problem, say, pairing it with your phone, whatever it is, in terms of just regular use. No, because I, I pair it with my phone over Bluetooth, and I use it for calls and music. Uh, the, the car itself has built-in slacker radio and tune-in radio, so I can just use that and stream directly from the car and not have to worry about using my phone at all. The mapping that they have built-in is really nice, and you know, if I'm traveling long distances, I'm going to have to use Tesla's maps anyway to get from point A to point B through a supercharger network. I don't feel like I'm missing anything by not having the Android Auto built-in or having Apple CarPlay built-in. We've got one more segment with Derek Kessler. And Derek is going to talk about Tesla on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. You've been hearing Dr. Wallach talking about 90 essential nutrients, keeping the body healthy. GCNteam.com now has Beyond Tangy Tangerine Tablets, 60 plant-derived minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, packed in a powerful tablet. But that's not it. 160,000 auric points, a knockout punch to free radicals. Call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. That's 877-878-4203. Join me, George Norrie, in Joshua Tree, California, May 19th through the 22nd for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference, a weekend of in-depth exploration into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, UFO sightings, and new evidence of ongoing contact. The conference will feature panels, lectures, films, workshops, and field work with leading experts, including me, Dr. Stephen Greer, Giorgio Sukalos, David Wilcock, Corey Good, Graham Hancock, Linda Moulton Howe, Jim Mars, Michael Tellinger, Eric Von Doniken, Doc Wallach, and many, many more of the biggest names in ufology. Joshua Tree Retreat Center offers the perfect place for sightings through the clear desert sky. Last year, hundreds saw several real craft up there as we reported on Coast to Coast. Tickets to Contact in the Desert are available at contactinthedesert.com. That's contactinthedesert.com or by calling 323-721-1743. That's 323-721-1743. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org.
You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Derek Kessler is associated with a site called teslacentral.com. And obviously, they've got big story this week because of the production of the Model 3. Like that. Now, Tesla's stock has been going down a little bit. I guess because of the production problems and skepticism about Model 3. Is that just the vagaries of Wall Street? It is the vagaries of Wall Street. Uh, Honestly, I'm not a stock analyst or expert of any sort, but I feel like Tesla's stock was way too overvalued. Even Elon Musk has acknowledged this, that there's no reason right now that Tesla producing thousands of cars a year should be worth more than GM or Ford, which are producing millions of cars in a year. The valuation that was put into Tesla so far has just been absurd. I can definitely see a future where Tesla may be worth as much as it is and worth more. Uh, But right now, it's like they struggle to turn a profit in any given quarter. And valuing them as the most valuable auto company in America is kind of absurd. It's been down 12% as of our recording just this week from Monday through, what is it, we're Thursday now. 12% in four days, which is a huge drop. If you think that Tesla is going to go up from here, this is a great time to buy. Uh, But it might not be the end of this correction. But when you're skeptical about Tesla again, consider what Elon Musk is doing with SpaceX. Nobody else has a reusable spaceship yet. I mean, you see it in the science fiction movies. You see programs on TV from the 1950s on TV where the spaceship took off and it landed. In the real world, you can't do that. The only exception, I think, is if the payload is too heavy. He can't reuse it like they just launched a communications satellite and they couldn't reuse that. But that they can make it work at all now. Nobody else could do that. So is he going to get us to Mars first, too? I wouldn't be surprised. They put out their very fanciful vision for getting humans to Mars. I I think that it's a bit of a reach. But there are many stepping stones along the way to getting to the point where we can be sending humans to Mars and setting up colonies and all that stuff. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Elon Musk and SpaceX are involved in that in some way. Right now, we're in the very early stages of being able to do reusable rockets. Uh, The Falcon 9, the rocket that they're using right now, is able to launch up. And like you said, if if it's too heavy or needs to be put into too high of an orbit, the rocket's not going to have enough fuel to be able to control its descent. Once the Falcon 9 heavy, a modified, stronger version of this rocket comes out, then that will actually be able to come back. They're working on being able to recover the second stage. They've been able to send a cargo module up to the International Space Station and bring it back down to Earth and relaunch it as well, which, you know, even NASA did do that when they had recoverable crew modules from the Apollo craft. It was a new one every time. Granted, that was several decades ago, and technology has advanced a bit since. Getting to Mars is going to be a massive leap in technology uh, from that because we have to contend with both housing and feeding and taking care of humans for the six-month journey there and back. We need to be able to protect them from radiation, carry enough oxygen with them, be able to power the vehicle, break free from 
Earth's gravity, uh, which we can do easily with a satellite. Doing it with humans and everything that humans need to survive is a bigger issue. And then you get the rocket to Mars and you need to be able to slow it down enough that it can land gently, which we don't even do that with our probes that we send to the surface of Mars. We send it down and we put up giant airbags and let it bounce around a couple of times. And then we say we want to bring humans back. Well, now we need to figure out how to fuel this rocket from Mars. And we have only put theoretical work into that. We have basic understanding of what Martian geology and soil composition is like. And there's methane in the ice up there, but we need to be able to take that and convert it into fuel that we can use. So there's a huge slew of technical problems that need to be overcome before we can uh, get beyond just dreaming about it. But I would not be surprised at all if companies like Elon Musk and uh, SpaceX are at the forefront of that. Well, just saying Tesla will buy GM. Nobody will buy GM. It's not going to work that way, I think. (laughs) Now, I understand here that they're talking about what, coming out with a pickup truck or something, a Tesla? Uh, Yeah, there are two vehicles that are on the horizon right now. Of course, we've got the Model 3, which is coming out, purchasable quantities quite soon. Uh, Then there's going to be the Tesla Semi, which we're expecting to be unveiled in probably the next couple of months. And that's going to rely very heavily on autonomous technology, which will be great for people who drive these trucks. It's not going to replace people driving trucks uh, for several years at least, but it'll mean that once we have that autonomous technology set, they'll be able to go back and sleep in the back of the cab while the truck cruises down I-70. And then there's also the Model Y, which is essentially the crossover version of the Model 3, sort of like how the Model X is the crossover version of the Model S. So it'll be taller, more spacious, and sort of fit that niche where people want a bigger vehicle that's smaller uh, and still electric. And then eventually down the road, there's going to be a pickup truck and a new performance roadster and several other things I'm sure that they're working on. And then they're going to have to get around to doing a full refresh in the Model S and Model X, and then they'll be in that same sort of cycle that almost every other car manufacturer is in. And they will need more than one plant to build it. Absolutely. That Gigafactory is probably going to be enough to meet current Model 3 demand. They're producing batteries and drive units. The big thing with cars is, you know, it's easy enough to make a iPhone in China and ship them to the United States. It's not a big deal because iPhone doesn't take up much room. It's pretty lightweight. You can put a whole bunch of them on a cargo ship, ship it over here, and bam, you're good. Cars are large and heavy and expensive, and it makes a lot of sense to produce them close to where they're sold. That's why we have things like you know Mercedes and BMW produce more vehicles in the United, in the United States than they do at home in Germany because there are more customers here. And so they set up factories here so they can do de- easily deliver directly to the customers. Tesla's going to have to do the same thing. I I wouldn't be surprised if their second production facility opens up in China, and then they'll have one in Europe and probably one in South America and eventually in India uh, to meet all those demands versus producing everything in California and then shipping it all over the place like they have to do now. But all of it depends on making this Model 3 launch mostly work. If they're reasonably successful at this, they show credibility. And if they need more investment, they can attract it. And certainly they're building cash flow by selling hundreds of thousands of cars. Then they can go to the next step. Absolutely. Everything hinges on the Model 3 right now. If 
it goes off without a hitch, Tesla's going to be around for a long time. If it does not, uh, if all of these $1,000 reservations that have been placed fail to materialize into actual sales, Tesla could be in big trouble. Does Derek Kessler buy himself a Model 3 now, or are you happy with your S? I am very happy with my S. The Model 3 is not a newer Model S. Uh, it has basically all of the same technologies. It's a simpler car, but it has all of the same self-driving capabilities that the Model S has, and it's going to have less range, and it's not going to be as nice of a car. The Model S is a very nice car, whereas the Model 3 is more mass-market consumer car. Uh, so for me, Model 3 may not be the car. Derek, where can we find more information about what you do? Uh, you can find me online all over the place. You can find me on Twitter. I am Derek A. Kessler. Uh, you can also find me on teslacentral.com and the other Mobile Nation sites. You can find us on Twitter if you look for Tech Night Owl. You can also check out our other radio show called The Paracast about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this week we're going to be having a really, really fascinating episode with Dr. Joseph Buckman. That's Paracast.com. You can also support this show by becoming a member of Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plusplus.technightowl.com. That's plus.technightowl.com. And you get, in exchange for your subscription, a commercial-free version of this show, better quality audio. You really help support us. Plus.technightowl.com. Derek Kessler. Don't know if I can afford a Tesla Model 3 right now. But maybe someday. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. It's been my pleasure. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.